By the way, I'm very excited to watch a version of Jane Eyre with Pete. Yes. I started it. It's very good. I have about half of it left. Uh, Rochester is the worst. <laughs> You're listening to Love Ya, a guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen and adult romantic comedies. Uh, my name is Martha Sullivan, young adult librarian and teen lit um, surveyor. I always, I feel like this happens every time. I, I have a word in mind that I then just completely forget to uh, utilize. Um, teen lit purveyor uh and i am joined as always by my co-host um i'm Maren hagman um adult services librarian and rom-com enthusiast maybe enthusiast is the word i always want to use but then i don't because i know you're gonna use it (laughs) i feel like i've also heard you use connoisseur connoisseur um how are you today Maren? i am okay i have discovered um that uh, my car probably needs its air conditioning filter changed um, because I spent quite a bit of last night and today sneezing. Um, I also have learned that air purifiers are magical. That's true. Um, it's and- one of the reasons that we can have that my husband and I can have the pets that we have. Oh, and I will never live down uh, my friend Mike uh, telling me for the last two years to buy an air purifier and not listening to him. So Mike was right. I will say it publicly. <laughs> they are extremely helpful. Um, How yes, are you? I I am okay. My work is very stressful, as you know. Yeah. Uh, Martin and I are both librarians who are back in our libraries. Um, my schedule this week changes. So now today, um, when I am back in the building, I am working 10-hour days, most of Oof. which is on the floor. Uh, and it's just, it's exhausting. I did make an appointment to get a COVID test on Wednesday. Um for no specific reason, I, it is not that I am feeling poorly, sure. but at this point, um, the library that I work at has been open for several weeks, and I have been in close contact with the public for several weeks, and it would make me feel better to to get the test and just yeah. make sure that everything... Plus, it's free, and there's a CVS that's close to me that's taking appointments. Yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, they tell me... They tell me that I will get my results in six to eight days. So that's a lot, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I've been watching a lot of comfort food movies. Oh, what been, What has been your favorite of the, the comfort food? Uh, well, over the weekend, I watched The Road to El Dorado. Oh. And uh, my husband and I went to the zoo, and our local zoo is having a um, exhibit on, with robot dinosaurs on display. Ooh. So I came home and watched Jurassic Park. Excellent. Um, yeah, I've been watching uh, just movies that I know I enjoy because um, it's easier sometimes than watching something new. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that now is definitely the time for I have found myself before I go to bed. I have had the hardest time reading during this time. Mm-hmm. Like my goal, usually my reading goal is let's read something that's not a romance novel. Um, Not because I'm ashamed of reading romance novels, but just to like have a little more variety to my sure. literary diet. Um, Good to mix it up. Exactly. And now that goal has shifted in pandemic. That goal has shifted to let's read a new romance novel because I I find myself rereading sections and passages from some of my favorites before I go to bed. Uh. Yeah, my reading goal at the beginning of the year, the big thing that I wanted to do this year was read one nonfiction book a month. Yeah. Um, Since this whole situation has started, my reading goal has become 
read. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have spoken at length about this before, but yeah, reading it all has been very hard for me. And so now it's just, you know what? Anything that I read is going to be fine. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, consuming anything new and anything, honestly, that is, like, not comforting, I count as a victory. Like, the fact Pete and I watched all of The Great, um, which has a good deal of comedy to it, but it is not strictly a comedy. It's not a very uplifting show. It's about young Catherine the Great plotting to overthrow her husband and become Empress of Russia. Um, and there's a lot of really silly, absurd comedy to it, but there's also, you know, a lot of blood, um, and a lot of violence. Um, so that, that felt good to, you know. Bill and I have been watching a lot of Doom Patrol, which is the same way. Oh. It is, um, it has moments of, uh, very, very sharp humor, but is mostly about a group of damaged people trying to figure out how to be less damaged around each other. <laughs> and we we don't have to get into it, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, on, I think, Friday, I watched Detective Pikachu. Excellent. I the just rewatched the second half of that movie. It was, I enjoyed it more than I remembered. It did not have to go as hard as it did. It I did. will never... I will never not be appreciative of the fact I would have liked it if it had been like 30% the movie that it was. And I am deeply appreciative of the fact that I think they made an actual quality film. Um, Has Pete told you about, I am sure that one of us has talked to you about as we are devotees, um, the blank check podcast. Oh, I think both of you have mentioned it at some point. Um, They did an episode with the screenwriter. Of Detective Pikachu. Uh, I will remind me to send it to you. I think you would get a lot out of it. Yeah. But yeah, so on Friday, I watched Detective Pikachu. I watched The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss. Oh, And sure. then I watched the fourth Indiana Jones movie. So oh, that's the of, aliens. The aliens are coming. Kind of where I'm at. Let's save ourselves from destruction by, you know, jumping into a refrigerator. Uh, can I tell you something, though? Yeah. Better than Temple of Doom. I that I would believe. Um, just by virtue of the fact that Marion is back, that they like. I actually really like like Shia LaBeouf as his son. I did too. I I enjoy Shia LaBeouf in a way that I don't think many of the people who were the audience for that movie do. Well, and I think the timing of that movie was such like it was probably Shia LaBeouf at like his nader. And oh, see, I don't think so. I think oh, it really? was right. I think they made it because he was coming off of Transformers. Uh, yeah, I guess. I feel like he shortly tumbled down. Yeah, I don't think it did great things for him. Yeah. But let's see. Um, but anyway, we anyway. have here to talk about, uh, yeah, it was right after the first Transformers Oh, okay. Movie. Okay. So I guess he was writing, like, a little bigger than I remember. Okay. Um, but we're here to talk about Sella and the Spades, a 2019 Amazon uh, original, um, starring Lovey Simone as Sella, Jarell Jerome as Maxi, Celeste O'Connor as Paloma, Jesse Williams as Headmaster Banton, Gina Torres as uh, Maybelle, Sela's mother, and a variety of other teens um, who play the other residents of Sela's school. Yeah. Uh, Marin, would you like to give us a quick synopsis of this movie? Yeah. So as Martha intimated, uh, this movie takes place at a uh, fictional boarding school um, that is divided up into several social factions. Um, Sella leads a faction called the Spades. Um, and unlike the other, I think there are five factions total. Um, so unlike the other factions, Sella does not have someone who is ready to replace her leadership role. Um, when she graduates, um, she does have kind of a, a lieutenant, um, Maxie, um, and they work together to have a pretty 
um, solid drug operation throughout the school. Um, and this is all kind of upended when a new transfer student, Paloma, um, kind of catches Sella's eye as someone who is, um, talented and thoughtful. Um, and so Sella, um, has Paloma, um, Paloma is a talented photographer. Um, she has Paloma use her photography skills to kind of put another one of the factions in their place. Um, and then Sella decides that Paloma is a good candidate to take over, um, when Sella graduates, um, uh, there is a falling out between Sella and Maxie, um, uh, because Maxie had kind of left their ledger around, um, and, um, so their, um, their orders weren't right, um, and so she, she fires him. Um, this comes to the attention of their school headmaster, um, who cancels prom, um, and, um, so the factions band together, um, with Paloma's guidance and her idea, um, because they, the headmaster has canceled their prom, um, so they band together to make their own prom, um, in the woods outside of the school. Um, uh, and so during that time, um, it kind of comes to Paloma, Paloma had been hearing about, the girl that Sella had previously been kind of grooming to take over, Tila. Um, Paloma is talking to another one of the leaders of a different faction, um, the Bobbies, um, who kind of tells her, you should have, you should know what happened to Paloma, or excuse me, you should know what happened to Tila, um, who was the girl before you. Um, and Sella becomes insecure seeing, um, Paloma talking to a different leader of a faction. I mean, Paloma having success with creating this prom. Um, and she thinks that Paloma, you know, is trying to sell her out to this other faction or that, you know, she's getting like too big for her britches. Um, and so on the night of their prom, Sella drugs her. Um, and Paloma under the influence of drugs, um, at first tries to find, um, Sella and Maxie, um, then once Sella confesses what she's done and they're trying to kind of get her to safety, um, Paloma runs away, um, and almost falls off a cliff, um, but Sella and Maxie drag her to safety, um, we see Sella kind of look out over the cliff for a few minutes, um, and then Maxie kind of distracts her and says, come on, we have to help Paloma, uh, fade to black. <laughs> um, so a lot of, yeah, a lot of machinations of teen, um, you know, clicks and, um, and boarding school dynamics. I don't know. Am I leaving out anything important? Um, did you touch on the fact that it is intimated that Tila was expelled because, um, Sella drugged her? Oh, also? right. Yep, so that this is... is a, yeah, this is a trick that Sella has pulled before. Yeah. Um, was getting Tila expelled after, uh, drugging her with acid and causing, which causes her to, like, crash her car on the football field. Um... So yeah, Maxie has a line at the prom where he's like, you can't keep doing this. It's like, <laughs> oh God. Um, and also the, the school play that they're putting on is Macbeth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of loved. Um, so yeah, what, how, did we, how did we feel about Sella and the Spades? Oh, uh, first of all, I would like to apologize. When I introduced this movie last week, I pronounced it Sela, and that is incorrect. Her name is Sella. So sorry about that. Um, but yeah, how did we feel about Sella and the Spades? I found it pretty hard to get into. Like, really? I I think Sella is not a very sympathetic character. Um, True. And to be fair, Paloma is. So I understand that like we're we're supposed to be rooting for Paloma. But yeah, mostly I just didn't care. I was kind of like, all right, like this seems like a bad time. Like, <laughs> I I don't know, like. Seems like you all are having a rough time. I, I, that, that was kind of all I got. <laughs> um, 
Uh, boarding school lit is one of my kind of favorite subgenres of YA fiction. So I was very into this movie. Okay. Okay. Um, I also, as an adult um, human, feel a lot of sympathy for this idea that, like, the power you have in high school is your biggest and best accomplishment. That is kind of one of the feelings that pervades this movie. Like, Sela right. is um, slow to pick a uh, um, protege, a successor is the word I mean. Uh, is slow to pick a successor and um you know we get a scene with her and her mom where she has received uh acceptance materials to a college that she isn't really like hasn't done anything about like clearly this is an environment that she feels successful in and that idea that feeling that your success in high school is kind of the pinnacle of your achievement um i think is a very poignant one to explore in teen literature because it's not, but we don't really know that until we grow up and realize that there is life outside of high school. I, so, and I guess, and maybe this is why I like this movie, like kind of left me cold is I, I really, as a high schooler, like clung to the fact that this would not be it. Like I like actively rejected that idea that like what was happening in high school was going to be I I'll put it this way. I was not very invested in the social hierarchy of my high school. I was invested in getting out of it. <laughs> so, True, but I I do think it's fair and I say this um this applies to me as well. I don't think you or I were people who had quote unquote high school power. Sure. So like that is that is a a trope that I understand from fiction without having experienced it myself. Yeah, and I guess I I just I relate to it so like I so do not relate to it that I have a a harder time like getting into it if that makes sense. Sure. The the one thing that I do relate to um is the fact that even even if you um are not looking as hi- at high school as the kind of nexus for this stuff like just High schoolers feel a lot of things, and they feel them very strongly. Sure. So I I can also see, you know, where um, Sela and all of these other players, like Maxi, originally gets distracted from his duties to the Spades because he's um, starting to date a girl on the cheerleading team, and like can't understand when Sela is like. That doesn't matter because the spades are the only thing that matter to her, but his relationship is the only thing that matters to him. And that kind of short-sightedness I did um, relate to because, like, as a teenager, whatever you are feeling very strongly about is, like, the only thing that matters. Yeah. And I um, guess, I don't know, I maybe, and I will tell you, this made me feel so old, but <laughs> but the the only one that I... I found myself, like, kind of cheering at the parts where their principal was like, oh my gosh, like, what is going on? I actually, I, I want to come back to him in just a second, because I want to come back to him and also Gina Torres. Oh, yeah, yeah. But honestly, like, those, his scenes were some of my favorite, because I was like, yes, thank you, an adult is stepping in. Well, and, and I don't, I don't think the movie paints them as bad guys. No, I don't. Um, no, I don't think there's meant to be villains. Um, Which but yeah, in and I, of itself is interesting. Oh, yeah. For a, I think, for a teen movie. Because, yeah, so often they would be, you know, the ultimate villain. Like, ah, he canceled prom. Uh, but, yeah. Also, I, like, obviously he canceled prom. Like, people are on his campus dealing drugs. Yep. <laughs> running illicit gambling <laughs> rings. Like, obviously this is what so i i thought that the movie did a very good job at kind of balancing my sympathy for jesse williams but also like my excitement when paloma's like let's throw our own prom it's like yeah let's do that but also you guys know that you deserved this (laughs) yeah 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 i mean i just i found myself like when he had his speech like to them all announcing the cancellation of prom, I was like, "Yeah, you tell him, Jesse Williams." Like, I did have to when that happened. I did have a moment of like, "Wait, what? 
happened. I I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention, but I couldn't figure out why he had made the decision to cancel prom or if there was like a one inciting decision or if it was just like build up from all of them behaving badly. I wasn't quite sure. I think it was the build up. Um, And I think I'm trying to remember. I feel like there was like some factional spat that like spread out across the campus that he was like, and enough. Well, they did keep referring to something that happened when they were sophomores. Oh, which yeah. Which they never fully explained or explored, which was fine. It wasn't super relevant to what I was watching in that moment. But that was kind of interesting that the movie would intimate about something um, that it then was just like, but you don't really need to know about that. Just that something happened. It's fine. Yeah, which I, you know, like we all we needed to see was that like these factional dynamics that were clearly started with that were clearly still going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I will always be here for an unlikable female protagonist. Um, well, actually, I don't know that Sela is the protagonist in this movie. I think Paloma is the protagonist. Yeah, I would agree. I think Sela is almost the antagonist. I don't know that they're is i don't know that's a that's an interesting question yeah um because i guess on on one hand the movie wants us to both clearly wants us to both condemn sella's actions but also have some sympathy for her oh i think the movie absolutely wants us to sympathize with sella um and that's a tricky balance because i i think you're right i don't think we're supposed to see what she does as being justified right but i do think we're supposed to understand it like understanding without necessarily empathy or absolution like i think we're supposed to understand without i mean she's almost i think supposed to be an anti-hero in that way Mm -hmm. um and I, I don't know. As a general rule of fiction, I have little patience for anti-heroes. Um, That's fair. But I think, you know, I mean, I think it's a good, like you said, it's a good balance. Like, they make her a, a, a lived character. Like, we, under, we understand, like, her point of view. I don't think that justifies her actions in any way, shape, or form. No, but I mean, we... drugging people is always bad. <laughs> yeah, but we understand where she's coming from, and I think, th- th- which is better, I think it strikes a better, I will put it this way, I think it strikes a better balance than many an anti-hero-led um, drama. Like, I think many an anti-hero... Or I guess, like we said, like, she's not even truly a protagonist of this movie. But, like, I feel like oftentimes when there is a movie where the so-called villain or anti-hero, like, doesn't, like, take over, but, like, takes up a lot of space, I think sometimes there is the tendency for, like, the balance to hang too too far in terms of sympathy. Like... Mm-hmm see Walter White um or Loki or Loki um and I I think this does a nice balance of like making her human but also taking a step back and saying whoa what she is doing is not okay and um which I appreciated what did you think of her cheerleading monologue. Ah, uh, I mean, again, like, just most of... That was another one where I was just like, okay. Like, I don't know. It just kind of left me cold. Yeah, what I'm what I'm referring to, listeners, is a, um, a kind of montage-esque sequence at the beginning where Paloma is photographing the cheerleading squad, which uh, Sela is the leader, or the captain of, And while she is taking a series of photos, um, Sela gives a monologue about um, how, basically about how the rest of the world owns women's bodies, 
um and what like the the attitudes uh it's a very it's a very patriarchal or against like smashing the patriarch kind of speech um i was trying to see if i could find full text of it um but I, I can't. But basically, it's if you are a 17-year-old girl, the entire world thinks it owns you. Um, and part of what they do on the cheerleading squad is um, take some of that ownership back by determining their own uniforms and writing their own choreography and, um, you know, being a group that watches out for each other. And it was just, it was totally an interesting monologue for me because I don't know that that was really a central like thesis statement of the movie right and like that's probably part of why it left me so cold is it went straight from that to like well yeah that's what Sel is saying but it's not as if she is imbuing the squad with that or like we see her like i think there's like one moment where we see her compliment another squad member but it's not like you know she's cultivated this community out of support and love and like helping each other like confront the patriarchy like she's ruling through fear like she rules through the fact that like she has access to drugs and is efficient in her operation and people over money like that's how she that's how she rules so i i think there was a disconnect there of like i think Sela sees herself cultivating this power in her high school as taking something back. Um, but, like, those those sentiments aren't really, how, you know, borne out in her actions. Well, and a lot of what her actions do is sort of directly contradict the idea that she's doing anything differently. Um, when Paloma says something about like how she's going to do it differently next year and that's okay, that's kind of the moment when Sela is like, oh no, like it's it's my way or no way. And you know, to to contrast that with this monologue about how like these girls do what they do for them and they're like going against expectation and taking back ownership, but then to watch Sella through the whole movie kind of work to keep things the way that they are. Um, I don't know if that's anything. It feels like it might be something. Well, I feel like it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning that like so much of this is founded in Sella's understanding of this is the most power and influence I will ever have and that any sort of change or like direction that comes not from her is an affront to that power. Yeah, uh, it's the it's that tension between crafting a legacy but knowing that like a, a legacy is dependent on somebody else picking up where you leave off. So it's wanting a legacy, but also not wanting to relinquish control. Right. And like wanting, wanting things to continue on in the exact same way that she set up so that she can feel validated and, and feel still powerful from beyond even leaving the school. It's about, like, making her mark on the school makes her feel powerful. I also think it would be foolish to think that she derives no pleasure or um, feelings of power by being conventionally attractive. Oh, yeah. Um, we do get quite a few sequences of her, um, you know, doing her hair or finishing up her makeup in the bathroom. And again, all of that is fine, but contrasting it with that um that opening monologue and maybe that's the point like that monologue feels so intentional um and the rest of the movie is so well the whole movie is so finely tailored that it does feel like that has to have been part of the point that the um writer director uh tyarisha poe is making I'm just not sure it's articulated fully as well as she may have wanted it to be. Yeah, I mean, I think if she's trying to explore that tension of, like, these 
well, specifically this teenage girl wants to reclaim her power, but then ends up mimicking those power structures that have acted on her. Like, I think to really flesh that out, we need more moments like at the end of, of Maxie saying, you did this again? Like, or like her, like understanding that reinforcing and recreating these hierarchical structures is only going to lead to harm. Like, she kind of realizes at the end, like, oh, I, you know, I have caused harm to Paloma, and I must at least, like, make sure she doesn't get hurt. But, and I, I mean, I guess, you know, we're cutting so soon after this moment that, like, there's no moment for her to be like, oh, by trying to grab power, I have reinforced these structures that have, you know, kept me out of power in other spaces. Like, I don't know. It's... No, I think I think what we needed because we get a scene with her mom where her mom is clearly like, "You're gonna do what's what I think is best for you. Um, this will be good. This will be good for you." I I feel like we could have used another scene like that where something is happening, something is acting on Sella that sure. then causes her to want to act on something else. Um, and honestly, I could have I could have met Tila. I, I think that that might have been helpful or uh, to, or maybe not to have met Tila, but to have at least learned a little bit. Or do you disagree? I, we I get, think... we get two different angles on the Tila story. We get one from Bobby and then one from Sila. So it is a little bit like, well, what's the actual truth? Um, yeah, I think it works fine without us meeting Tila. Um, Because I think that, you know, it'd be pretty unrealistic to have a, um, let's track down her other victim across the country. Um, Sure. I mean, maybe like a Skype or an email. I'm actually, Pete and I recently rewatched Gone Girl. um, And that would make me think of, there's a scene where Ben Affleck tracks down an, uh, spoiler alert for Gone Girl, although at this point, this, that movie came out long ago enough that I don't really feel bad spoiling Gone Girl. Um, if you haven't, you should go watch it. It's a very good movie. Um, there's a scene where Ben Affleck's character tracks down an ex-boyfriend of his wife. And you hear like some some bad behavior on her part that kind of gives him more sure footing that... Something is a foul here. Um, so I think it, it would have read too much like that. Like, you know, getting, I don't know. Not, it, it would have been a little bit of a cliche to be like, oh, How- but remember what they did to me back when. I feel like that scene, sure. and I'm immediately jumping to Gone Girl just because that's what I've seen most recently. But I feel like there's the equivalent of that scene in a lot of movies. How ab- What about getting the Tila story from Maxie. That I would have been here for. I think... As, I like, think... the third kind of... Not really neutral, because he's Ben Sella's right-hand guy, but by the end of the movie, he's kind of out of favor and could have maybe offered a more um, objective version. And I think we kind of get that in passing, where he not, like, admits what she did, but, you know, we do hear him being like, oh my god, you did this again. Like, we get his kind of confirmation that she did something similar. But yeah, I think that, yeah, we could have done with him kind of laying it all out. And I think it would have made more sense with his character arc um, for, like, having fallen out of power. Like, he would maybe be more willing to talk about what happened to Tila. How did we feel about Paloma as our kind of POV character? Um, I feel fine with it. I think that, uh, I think that actress was really good. Um, 
I think she, I think she did a nice kind of descent. Celeste O'Connor. Okay. Celeste O'Connor. Um, I think she did a really nice like descent into going from kind of the new, I don't want to say innocent, but like not kind of knowing what's going on to embracing it and like having new ideas. Well, and I thought that the I thought the movie did a really good job of showing like what her attraction to Sella was. Yeah. Like what or not attraction to, but like what drew her to Sella. Um, and kind of what she was getting out of that relationship and also how maybe that wasn't like the healthiest thing in the world. Um but no, I thought the movie did a really good job with the relationship between um the different characters. Uh, even even up to when um, Bobby, the white blonde leader of the rival faction, the Bobbies, which can I say it bothered me the whole movie that I didn't know if her name was actually Bobby or if that was just what she was called because she was the leader of the Bobbies. Uh. <laughs> I don't know doesn't matter uh and a broader question how do we feel about all these cliques like being so formal and intergenerational and named that really struck me as odd um i i believed that a thousand percent for a like a posh boarding school i mean you just have to think about like the secret yale societies that have been going on for hundreds of years i mean like, i did think about like okay is this like like i thought about okay apparently pete and i have just been rewatching a lot of david fincher movies in quarantine um fair. but we also rewatched the social network recently and i was like okay so is this like the porcelain club is that like what like this equivalent is supposed to be like that just seems out of place in high school but i guess if like institutions like that are having them in undergrad like i guess high school is not that far off but it just it struck me as so odd to have like formal named cliques i think that wealthy people and the children of wealthy people will find a way to set themselves apart however they possibly can yeah i guess <laughs> um yeah, that didn't uh, that didn't surprise me so much. Okay, maybe I'm just naive enough to be like, "What? Like, who has the time or energy to like pass on this like school intergenerational? Like, let alone like who is talking to people like out of like I feel like people were so in their lane of like they talk to the kids in their grade and their classes and like." Unless you're in an activity together, like, you don't really see kids from other grades as much, so. I mean, I think it's also important to remember, I, I do think this pops up a lot in boarding school lit, um, because, you know, there's a lot of, like, well, what are they doing when they're not in class? Like, they're yeah. not going home. Frequently, they don't have part-time jobs because they're kind of confined to the school. So... This is, I think, one of the ways in which they kind of figure out something to do with themselves. Yeah, like, I guess. It also, it also made sense to me that there that each uh, clique's claim to fame would be something illicit. Yeah. Because you have, like, the group that runs the gambling and the group that runs the drugs and the group that throws the parties. Like... That's just good delegation, huh? having that spread out across different factions. Yeah, just like, you know, spreading out the risk-taking. Yeah. And also, just a teenager's need to belong to something. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I just, yeah. I just was like, wait, what? Like, these are so formal. I didn't think teens would, like set this stuff and like, writing <laughs> basically over like generations of kids at the school did you watch ever watch gilmore girls i did 
Chilton had their secret society. Oh, I guess I forgot about that part. The Puffs. The Puffs. I forgot <laughs> about, like, what did they, like, kidnapped Rory in Paris and, like, brought them to school at night? And what did they yeah, make them do? Yeah, for hazing. I don't remember. They had to ring a bell. I think they had to sneak into the headmaster's office. Oh, yeah. That was it. Okay. I will, I confess that whenever I rewatch Gilmore Girls, I just start from the graduation speech at the end of season three. Oh, and really? Then, yeah, I don't care for the high school years. <gasps> I have the exact opposite. I, really? My, my caring of Gilmore Girls fell off a cliff as soon as Rory got to Yale. Oh, dang. <laughs> that is hilarious. We were like, literally, that's funny. Mostly just because I loathed Logan. I hated all of them, but I thought that Logan made the most sense for her. Mm. I just, yeah, as soon as... I I have great fondness for seasons two and three. I think that once Logan was in the picture, and once, um... I don't know. I'm also maybe projecting my rage at the whole, like, season five and six storyline about Rory stealing a boat and... Their estrangement and stuff. I just thought that was. I was only mad about that insofar as she came so close to having actual consequences for her actions, and then the show was like, "Just kidding." <laughs> I don't know. I just oh, it made me so mad. Um. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, we can. Someone was telling me in a group chat the other day that like the revival, there might be a season two of the revival, and no. I. But it's like, oh boy, we really want to open that can of worms again? Okay. Do not. I thought Amy Sherman Palladino was too busy winning Emmys for uh, Mrs. Maisel. (laughs) Yeah, right? Although, I'm not going to lie, I would not be mad if that was not the ending to Gilmore Girls. I was pretty mad with that being the ending. It's, it, whatever. It is what it is. I just, yeah. And maybe that's why I hold on to the early seasons of that show, where it just feels. I mean, the problem is that a season two of the revival isn't going to rewrite the terrible ending that we got. It's yeah. just going to add more to it. Yeah, that's a good point. But I just would love to see a scene of Rory kicking Logan to the curb. And... Oh, well. That's really all I want. We already we already got, I think, as close as what we're getting to uh, that. I don't know. I just would love to see a like Rory chewing Logan out for being a bad dad the way that Laura like chewed Christopher out. I'd be here for that. Anywho Anyway <laughs> We got way off on the Gilmore train. Um yeah. Any other any other thoughts that we have on Sella and the Space? Oh, one thing I did want to mention real fast. I can't find one of the reviews that I read um, said that it has also been optioned by Amazon as a potential TV series. Oh, okay. And I was wondering how we felt about that. Like, my assumption is that it wouldn't feature um, Sella, but would rather just continue the exploration of this world of the boarding school and the factions and their kind of interplay and teen drama. The actress playing uh, Sela Love You, Simone, is actually going to be on the remake of The Craft. Ah. So I'm very excited about that. I think she will be very good at teen witchery. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess there is enough of a world there to keep going. I know I will not be interested in it. Um, Fair. But I feel like there's a there's a place for that. Like, it's not like one of those where I'm like, oh, you wrung out all 96 minutes of that story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched Gossip Girl for way longer than it deserved, so I'm... Oh, same. Generally pro-watching hot teens do hot teen things. In a non-creepy way. That sounded very bad. Um, <laughs> I knew no. what you meant. <laughs> I like teen. I like watching teen dramas. I find them very entertaining. I watch Riverdale. I can't. I can't help myself. Um, um, I am still. Maybe you can join my campaign to compete, convince Pete one day to watch Friday Night Lights. Yes, 
no, that's actually that's a Pete show. Like, right? what is, why why isn't he? Why won't he watch that movie or I, that show? I literally don't know. I have told him so many times and in so many ways how much he would get out of the show, and I just it's not a football show. He okay. We're gonna talk about it. Okay. He and I are gonna talk Thank about you. it when we record. Did you do your homework next week? Because <laughs> that's ridiculous. Thank you. The exact words out of my mouth were. It's about football, but it's not really about football. It's not. It's a small town. Po- it's basically a small town political drama. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I'm Peter. so glad you are. I'm so glad you are taking this up with me. Thank you. Your cause is my cause. Thank you. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were going to tell me that I should get Pete to watch Riverdale. And it's like, I, can- I don't think that I can justifiably try and convince anyone to watch Riverdale. <laughs> No, and I watched that one episode that uh, I think you assigned for Did You Do Your Homework with him, and I think we both left that being like, huh, that, like, was interesting. That's a thing. That happened. That, that happened, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I know that's a non-starter, but yeah, but I really genuinely think he would like Friday Night Lights, so I've been trying. Uh, speaking of, what... Other stories would we recommend our audience uh, partake of? Sure. Um, This one actually, and I guess I kind of have a split recommendation. Um, On one hand, it reminded me, the tone reminded me quite a bit of the 1999 classic Cruel Intentions. Oh, yep. Um, So I think if you enjoyed this, you would get, and somehow I've not watched Cruel Intentions, you should watch Cruel Intentions because it has a very similar tone. Um, and it's honestly just a classic of the teen movie genre. Um, my other more up-to-date recommendation, um, is actually a TV show on Netflix, um, is a Spanish-language TV show called Elite. Um, I have heard very good things about this show. It is great. I've only seen, I am not caught up, I've only seen, um, the first season in full and, like, the second season in part, um, but it was great and I highly recommend uh, it is about a fictional um, as the title suggests fictional elite um, high school um, in Spain and um, three working class students um, get a scholarship um, to this very fancy wealthy school um, and it's kind of about how they um uh, integrate with the student body but how they experience kind of coming into this place of of great privilege and it um is really fun and great um and i have not i have not actively stopped watching it i just need to get caught up at some point but yeah i would if you enjoyed this i think you will also enjoy elite on netflix uh, my recommendation is a book called The Disreputable History of Frankie Landau Banks by E. Lockhart. Uh, this is a book about Frankie, who goes to a prestigious boarding school in New England um, and decides that it is bollocks that the secret society at her uh, boarding school is all boys. Um and the book follows her her campaign to kind of get back at this uh, integral patriarchal institution by showing that she is smarter and more resourceful uh, than all of them put together. It is extremely entertaining uh, and, um, you know, hits a lot of those like secret society and the boarding school environment is why none of our parents are around. Um, and Frankie is, I think Frankie is a much more likable central character than Sela is, um, but is also very prickly and kind of a bitch. So, you know, it also hits my, like <laughs> all girl characters don't have to be perfect all of the time buttons. I think that is going to do it for us on Sella and the Spades. Um, well, I guess, last question. Yeah. Um, would you recommend this movie? Um, I would say it's one of those, if this is what you're in the mood for, um, I probably would not have 
pick this movie up without this podcast. Um, and it's certainly not one that I have enjoyed the most of movies we have watched. I think it was, there were good things going on with it. Um, but I would, for me, this would be a similar actually to the great that I was talking about earlier. I feel like this is one of those, if you're in the mood for this, I think it mostly gets what it wants to get in this tone. Um, not as much for me, but I think if that's the tone you're going for, um, it hits it pretty well. Yeah, I would say if if teen boarding school stories are your thing, I think it's a really good example of that genre. And if that's not something you enjoy, then you can probably give this one a pass. Huh. I I really enjoyed it, but that's because that is definitely my wheelhouse. So totally willing to accept that. <laughs> On our next episode, so we are going to be changing up our format just a touch, just a hair. Uh, Instead of focusing mainly on teen rom-coms or teen movies, we are going to be alternating. We are going to be doing a teen movie and alternating that with an adult rom-com, kind of hitting the love on one week and the YA on the next. So in that spirit, our movie for next week is Plus One on Hulu, a 2019 uh, rom-com starring two people that I totally remembered to look up before (laughs) launching into this whole spiel. Um. Uh, Starring Maya Erskine and Jack Quaid. Yes, uh, what Maren said. <laughs> uh, who I would just like our listeners to know, Jack Quaid is the son of uh, rom-com legend uh, Meg Ryan um, and Dennis Quaid. Um, and it is about two friends who find themselves having their year of weddings. Um, everyone they know is getting married and they um, d- agree to be each other's plus one plus ones um to all these weddings since they have both recently gone through breakups um and it is a great deal of fun full spoil full confession i've already seen it probably like twice um, but i'm very happy to watch it again um and we'll be excited to talk about it with you uh on our next episode martha Yes. So until then, you can catch us on social media. We share our feed with our uh, sister podcast that I record on alternating Wednesdays on this same feed that is called Did You Do Your Homework, which I record with Pete, uh, Marin's partner. Um, All of those, it would help if I actually gave all of those social media accounts. Uh, You can find us everywhere at DYDYH Podcast. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at Did You Do Your Homework. Um, You can reach out to us at show at homeworkpodcast.com. And you can find me personally on social media at Magical Martha. Recently, I've just been tweeting a lot of angry things about the pandemic because that's, you know, where we're all at right now. Uh, Maren, where can people find you? Uh, Yeah, people can find me on Twitter at a underscore star underscore danced, um, where I tweet a lot about, well, also currently a lot of angry pandemic things, but typically tweet a lot about maps and romance novels and rom-coms and the state of Minnesota. Uh, and then I'm, uh, so Pete doesn't have to insert this for me afterwards while he is doing the editing. Um, sometimes I run a news or sometimes I write a newsletter, uh, which you can find, um, at tinyletter.com backslash magical Martha. I believe that is going to do it for us. So thank you for listening. We will see you in a couple of weeks. And just remember that we love you. Beautiful. Woo! And under an hour. Look at us.